0: fantasy bookers and the first time that we have reviewed a pay-per-view this quickly since our very first episode with double or nothing so hooray we're actually getting to the point where we're having timely responses on things it will not be common
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you tony by the way for putting that on for us
0: remember if you like us
2: doing things in a good time hit that like button smash and subscribe
0: whatever those words are i don't stream Destroy that subscribe button. Just just take it out. Throw it in the universe.
3: Go st- go, steal your friends' phones. Download it on their phones.
4: Just start a Patreon for these pay-per-views. you want us to watch this pay-per-view, fucking
1: pay for it. <laughs> they don't even need to be
2: wrestling. If you decide that we need to watch a di- completely
0: unrelated one like the Ice Capades, we'll do it.
1: Well, <laughs> if they join Patreon, they can join our chat, and they can stream the pay-per-view with us.
0: We're not on Patreon. <laughs> We're just on regular anchor support. Oh, also well, we okay, shouldn't mention oh, active Once we get online. a Patreon, oh, you, you can you can just go on Patreon and tell us who you're supporting, and I mean we'll like applaud you for it. But <laughs> <laughs> whether or not we'll do anything with that, I mean, <laughs> for the low price
2: of one dollar a month, we will acknowledge you exist.
0: <laughs> Jennifer so Rowan. Anyway, person. so Full Gear, the pay per view that is also at Daly's Place. We are back into the land of Jacksonville, where the college football game beforehand in the adjoining stadium had a whole lot of injuries as part of it. That was that was fun. Thanks, Joey, for watching. I'm sorry. Football. I'm sorry. But um, in, since we have a quick turnaround, I've, lo- I've looked at some media regarding full gear and what people thought of it. But what are your headlines coming out of full Gear? Like, what if you were writing an article? What would be your like big banner thing to get those clickbait?s
5: Darby Allen is TNT champion! A a a a a! That was pretty. That's right. but that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And then Cody kneeling down and presenting him with the title. Oh, I could have <laughs> cried. I did cry. I I'm so happy. Fucking Brian just, Cage no,
3: and Cody Ricky had to make Darby's moment about
2: himself. Oh, I mean we were expecting the priest to pop out and marry him right there. I mean
5: Yeah. <laughs> you gotta do it, Cody. Cody you is such so a narcissist,
2: the only guy he could marry looks almost exactly like him, just smaller.
5: Yeah, yeah. Make
2: love to a smaller me.
5: <laughs> but Darby Allen, TNT champion. Also, Cody Rhodes. He is Cody Rhodes again, and I am so happy.
3: This comes like four days, though, after he said, after Dynamite, that he didn't plan to use the Rhodes name for wrestling. Oh, man.
0: Cody said something completely incorrect in a lie in that conference call. I am shocked. <laughs> I, am, I am just absolutely shocked. Shocked and appalled, I say. Well, not that shocked, really. So, Ace, what was uh, what's your headline
3: coming out of Full Gear? The continued journeys of the sad Yeehaw man, Adam Page. (laughs) (laughs) His match with Kenny was great, and the the see like him silently standing in the background, not even acknowledged uh, after a match later in the show to help help build more of a story. The, the way they are building Hangman Page may be the best thing they're doing. Maybe the best thing that AEW is doing.
4: I I actually agree. I absolutely agree. I, was, I slagged on Hangman Page and Kenny Omega before <laughs> because I've seen them in Japan. I know what they're capable of. The AEW versions of them have been so disappointing by comparison, especially I, seeing them in a
3: tag team. So- I will say, Page is better now than he was in Japan. Because now he has a better handle on what he what he needs to do in the ring.
4: Oh, yeah. Him and Kenny Omega, both. It's like they made so many mistakes that they've learned from it all. And I'm um, seeing them at their peak. This is the best I've seen Kenny Omega perform in freaking ages, possibly ever. And I'm looking forward to this run. Also, I know Tony hates this. That thing at the bottom of the screen that says 6-0, win-loss record, all that stuff. That is a great freaking tool. These guys came in with perfect singles records now because most of the year they've been spending as a tag team. So now you have these this great six and zero oh versus five and zero, oh, and it could have went any other way. And I'm glad it went the way that it did. If there's anyone to put the company behind, it's Kenny Omega, especially now that he's back. He's Kenny Omega reborn.
0: I'm fine with the record. I think it's Joey who has yeah, some problems. It's it. me. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> it wrong. it's, it's wrong. one of those. Brothers. Take the bad. So, Joey, what's your headline coming out of this?
1: I have three. Um, I mean, the first easy two is the executive vice presidents, for a multitude of reasons that we'll certainly get into. Um, Three-star Moxley, which I'll also get into. If we have three-star Cody, then there's definitely three-star Moxley. But my main headline is they killed Sammy Guevara.
0: (laughs) Sammy Guevara (laughs) murdered in Jacksonville. Or not North Carolina. Carolina. (laughs)
3: Oh yeah, yeah had had attack North is back yeah. you know, that Joey, happened in Ca- that happened in Kenny Omega's favorite state, North Carolina.
2: <laughs> Joey, you actively just kind of offhandedly stole what mine was going to be. Oh, I'm sorry, Andy. That's fine. I was going to say mine was going to be that AEW wasted the murder of Sammy Guevara, just because I was really hyped for the Ultimate Deletion match, and uh, I still feel like the Final Deletion was better and. This still missed the. I think it would have been the golden spot. Was they needed to have Matt's wife out there just come yelling at him? What the hell are you doing? You're still hurt.
0: She would too. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my headline coming out of this is AEW puts on a solid show after a really bad pay per view beforehand. Um, still have issues with small, not necessarily small, small to medium amounts of booking, um, and we'll kind of get into that, but. If we're actually go match by match on this one, because there was no situation like with all out where you need to put a match at the end because everyone's going to go into a discussion um, <laughs> about Matt Hardy cracking his head on concrete. <laughs> yeah. So with our with the opener match, we have Serena Deeb against Allison K. The NWA Power people. Aside from Allison K., who is currently not signed to anyone right now at least according to her Twitter um Allison K was my pick in the draft I really like her um what did everyone think who has either seen her before or has kind of not seen her in action before against yoga mom
5: i I had never seen I've never watched nWA power before that was my thing I, i've heard it and that's that's the best women's division match that I have seen on AEW, period. Period. Yeah. Ex- With all those wonderful
2: AEW women's wrestlers.
5: Huh. Yeah. No.
4: <laughs> is that, is that, that was what I've been saying before? You should be watching NWA. NWA Power, I was put onto it by Tony, thank goodness. That was where I first saw Eddie Kingston as well. The dudes over there, oh, I'm um, fucking, uh, <sighs> what a Taz's guy, the little guy.
5: Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks. Ricky
4: Starks, Ricky Starks, another dude from NWA Power. They're just a factory over there. Allison K put on a stellar show tonight, and so did everyone else from NWA, and that's no surprise. I really wish this was who we had working over here. Truth be told,
5: I it's Allison K is she is a free agent, um, and I hope she signs with AEW. Uh, if she signs to AEW. Tony, I will concede your point about the AEW women's division. That it'll take that all in one person, all in one person, because she is she's the best thing about the women's division right now, and she's not even here. She
4: probably left already.
5: She's I, not watching
4: this right now. Gone. I
5: I know, but it's it it was the best AEW women's division match that I have ever seen, and I the NWA women's title is a disgrace. What the fuck is that, Barbie toy?
4: Wait, the NWA one?
5: Yeah, is there a picture in fun. it? What, is that? what are we but you That's how you know who... who hey, hey, it is. it, it is looks basically. slightly
2: better than the 3D printed one.
0: That is the 3D printed one?
2: <laughs> okay, but I can't tell them apart and they're just bad. I was yeah, trying the, to defend something.
0: The NWA belt is made of plastic and has, like, little rhinestone gems in it and then has a... A picture with like the wallet size, this is your graduation picture in it. It looks it's a really,
6: See,
5: it's I, a I thought it looked build. different than
2: the last pay per view, but I guess that, that's just me that's remembering.
5: My Power Ranger Morpher belt that I had when I was eight was of better quality than the eight NWA women's title.
2: It's oh my God. Do you think the they get coin. small golden coins that they put into the center of the belt when they become the champion? <laughs> <laughs>
5: Hey, that would be better than a fucking pitcher. Jesus Christ. Who thought that was a good idea? Whose idea was that? You wouldn't do that I... to a men's division title? Why well, the fuck? With how much it's they spent on it, heel. I
2: assume it's a, it was an accountant's decision. I
5: think like
1: that's an instant heel move. That's something MJF would do to the main title. Just put his face on it. They do it for yeah. boxing, too. Boxing, boxing belts. Some boxing belts have that. Is that because some fans can't read?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And granted, I I thought the match was limited. It was limited by its build because it really hasn't been built up on AEW television or really in NWA because NWA is more or less on hiatus as well. (laughs) Um, So the the match itself reminded me a lot of the old Alundra Blaze WWE matches where Alundra Blaze just gets beaten down for a solid 10 minutes and then just wins at the end. Um, (laughs) That's what this match felt like. Serena Deeb can sell pretty well, but still it's just, hey, do you want to see Allison Kay's offense? Because if not, you're going to be here a while. Uh, And it's something to say that... The joke that I at least made when uh, Serena Deeb wins and Thunder Rosa comes out immediately to challenge for the belt, it's like, oh, I'm your next challenger. It's like, yeah, because the entire NWA women's division is in the ring right now.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Watch NWA Power on YouTube.
0: All jokes aside, though, I mean, this was a
1: fundamentally sound match. I mean, they were a little limited on time. It was only 10 minutes. But still, I mean, for both of them, like I said, fundamentally sound, solid match. Both of them know how to wrestle. It made, I mean, it was easily the better of the two women's matches. The only bad thing I have to concede, and Tony, this is a question for you. So who was the one who introduced me to NWA Power, to NXT, and to New Japan? That would be me. Yes. So that's the seed one. We argue wrestling.
6: Okay. Your point? I think he <laughs> cut
2: out. Either that or he left out of annoyance.
0: <laughs> he just, he just, Joey's point at JR is I'm just like, who who got me into these these promotions? <laughs> I did. Or her.
1: <laughs>
6: so, yeah. I'll say, as that.
1: I can't look at you like JR. cannot look at Excalibur.
3: Oh, my God. I'll man, say. That's what JR I'll say to to the next Wolf from Brimley. <laughs> it did sound in that sentence, Joey, like you you slowly no, ran out gone. of energy as that sentence ended.
4: <laughs> I suffer from dementia suddenly. Who are you? Where am I? How did I
3: get here? <laughs> uh, well, wait for Joey
2: to go back. I guess the one comment I would make about this match is uh, I would like to respond to the recent comments from Biff Baker about asking people to watch it just so they give more airtime and things like this. And there's a couple ways you can look at that, but at, at the end of the day, I would sit there and say that if we watch, there's no guarantee the content will get better, right? Because they may also think it's sufficient. Yeah. If AEW wants us to watch more of the women's matches and pay closer attention, they need to do more like this. Yep. It's not perfect. It's not the best in the industry, but this is the level of sufficient we need for the women's division to start to grow in AEW.
4: I agree. Which is crazy because they, they're full of fucking talent. Big Soul
5: is right there. Rich yeah. is right there. Like freaking mm. what? Anna Jay.
0: They seem they have- to be taking some steps. That along with the um they advertised NWA Dynamite for this Wednesday. And along with Penta versus Ray Phoenix again that they're going to be running on that episode, they also actively advertised Red Velvet against Tay Conti. And those are people who have previously only been on Dark. So at least they're making it uh, seem important well yeah, and I'm but, not but, saying but,
2: that they're not taking steps to correct it don't get me wrong here what I'm saying is is that if we want the women's division to grow I can see Britt Baker's argument but we need to meet halfway we need to we need to be able to show faith in it by giving increased viewership but that has to come with show of uh, faith from aew to make a legitimate investment. Uh, Things like this make me feel like they're starting to make an investment. And this is the kind of thing I would like to see continuing on to see continual progress.
1: I think, and I'll defend AEW here. I mean, this is just, and I mean, we'll all agree that their women's division needs a lot more work and a lot more attention. But at the same time, I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. AEW is only a year old. So, I mean, they still have to find who they feel is the bankable star in the women's division. So unfortunately it's going to take a little time until they feel they find that star.
0: (laughs) They need to find a bankable star because it sure as hell wasn't Brandy Rhodes.
4: (laughs) I feel like that's why they're taking the time to develop women in the mid-card now. They're trying to develop other feuds. And I noticed this when I saw that with with Darby Allen later. They're working on developing these feuds so that right after these title matches, they're legit just pushing in the next feud. The next guy just walks into the ring. It happened with Darby Allin, and it happens here. Like, oh, here's your next feud. Hi, here's your next challenger. Just walk into the ring. And that's kind of smart. They have, like, a rotating roster for that. So everyone gets into their feuds early, so that by the time there's a title change, you already have your next opponent picked out.
0: And with that, we'll move on to my match of the evening, which was Kenny Omega against Hangman Page in the opener. And the shortest, the shortest Kenny Omega match I've ever seen, aside from when he just squashed Sunny Kiss in the tournament.
3: <laughs> the shortest competitive. Yeah, the, Kenny the Omega. shortest
0: competitive Kenny Omega match. Um, so for anyone who has not seen the build to this on Dynamite in Kenny Omega's new incredibly long entrance. What did you think of Kenny Omega's new and incredibly long entrance? I'd I like to it. ask
2: him how much clothes cost in the Matrix. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the 80s ladies with the freaking
4: brooms. That was cool <laughs> as hell. I love the trench coat. I love the camera over his face, lowering from the sky. It looks like such a dick bag. This is peak heel Omega. This is who I was looking for. None it is face shit. Now maybe I'll watch AEW on a regular basis now that Kenny's actually here.
5: And that's all he said, the entire length of the match. This is the real Kenny Omega. This is the Kenny Omega that fought Chris Jericho in Japan. This yep. is what I've been that's talking about. Yep. He goes, I like I was crazy. Like I hallucinated how good he was. Yeah. No, right. no, and I'm just like, oh my God, all right, I get it. He's here.
4: Yeah, this is the guy this that is... fought Okada. This is the same Kenny Omega now. Now we're that is now we're talking.
5: Okay. I got it. For like, the entire length of the match. That's all I hurt. I I actually, I didn't care one way or another for Hangman Page.
4: I love his pants, though.
5: Until this match. Mm-hmm. I, I was actually kind of sad that he lost.
6: Oh, and, you were kind of cheering for and him? And I don't
5: didn't... usually care whether or not he wins or loses. I, I felt bad that he lost. I was sad that he lost. And, uh... I I hope that he, whatever cycle he starts now that he lost and Kenny Omega's moving to the number one contender spot, whatever cycle Hangman Page is on, I hope it treats him well. I hope it's good. And I hope that he is a future number one contender because he deserves to be. And I'm sorry, Tony. I slept on your boy. I apologize. Yep. You were right. (laughs) You were right. He
0: was sleeping this whole time. I really like this match. I think it's it's in the same style as so I gushed on um Kota Bushi against Shinsuke Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom 9 and I feel that this match is kind of in the same vein as what story it's trying to tell because you have Hangman Page who can show that Stat-wise, he's on Kenny Omega's level. He has the power. He has the actual moves he can do. He has the general athleticism. But every single time he actually tries to put the match away, Kenny Omega is just a step ahead of him and shows that he's on another level. I really like this match because I really like when wrestling is able to tell that story, which they also kind of did in the Moxley match, except that one was to a lesser extent.
5: (laughs) Away, oh, <laughs> way, way lesser, lesser extent. You now had this, the
4: wrong main event.
5: This was a solid... I, If I was to grade this match on a five-star scale, I would give this match five stars. I really would. I really, honestly enjoyed this match, and I was sad that Hangman Page lost. Dude, yeah. I'm invested now. Now I'm actually interested. What's he gonna do next? I actually care, and I... I hope he has more matches like this in the future. Everybody else in the locker room, step your game up.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I, I love his new look. I love his new look. I love his new attitude. I lo- They actually managed to make me care about their face and hate their heel as they should. That's an NXT energy. If you tell your story right, you will have the audience in the palm of your hand. And they did. I couldn't look away for the entirety of this match.
0: Um, Ace, Andy, anyone else, what did you think? <laughs>
3: I love this match. That I agree, this was the best match of the night. I I've been invested in Hangman's story since since he since he lost to Jericho for the title on that first at the first All Out, and the story they've been trying they've been telling with him, and I think now we're especially with what happened with the tag ma- title match later in the night, we're seeing we're seeing more of the story they're telling of how Hangman. Hangman is that level below Kenny and the Bucks when it comes to being able to to get it done in the ring and how far away from him he feels. And just that how the and the, so I'm looking forward to them telling this story. And I think this match makes it even more will make it even more satisfying if Kenny is the person that Hangman eventually beats for that AEW title.
1: I hey, agree. So so, yeah. so we We've criticized Kenny Omega in the past and the other executive vice presidents for how they book either themselves or how they book their, their brand of whatever they're in charge of behind the scenes. But this match, and this is where I will get in the executive vice president discussion for Kenny Omega, this match I would describe as completely unselfish. You, this was a match that we all expected to go much longer because we were making fun of Kenny Omega and how he has to get all his spots in. But after this match was done, I think all of us that were watching could have said, wow, I could have easily watched five to ten minutes more of that match. I want more Mm. of this. And because you want more of this, you can jump right into Orange Cassidy and John Silver and be just as excited. Mm. You didn't feel worn out for the next match. So I would say to Kenny Omega, way to set the stage for the rest of the show and way to set set the bar and set the attitude and leave us wanting more. I like, again, I would say aside from the other e- EVPs that we'll talk about later, this one, Kenny Omega, unselfish, tremendous job.
6: Uh, I, Which makes, I, I, with,
1: this puts some, a pin in my head. Um,
4: long matches have become the standard. They used to be the exception. We need to go back to that. This match was nice and crisp and short. They didn't get winded too fast so everything was just kind of crazy looking all the time and short and sweet and to the point every other match everyone's trying to do like the whole multiple fake count out shit just it's overdone save that for once in a while
2: and that's it really gets totally to right. the heart of what i was going to say about this which is that this is one of the better feuds i've ever seen i would say in the sense of you know it's going to turn around eventually they'll be friends again in the future sure everyone can see that coming but this is one of the few times I felt like, with the betrayal and the way it happened, it's just finding a way that they can do that breakup, have a good feud, and become friends again. Because it's about the ego they had between each other and not about screwing each other over to get something.
3: No, I'm and to say that, the, this feud hasn't been, bas- like, they didn't necessarily have a breakup angle. They had just had, all right, we've lost the titles. So Kenny wants, and Kenny wants to focus on being a singles. They, right the, and, because after after they lost the titles, they spent a few weeks on commentary telling a story of how hangman's still trying to be a tag team with Kenny and Kenny is constantly and Kenny went to how Kenny went to the aw officials and asked to no longer be a tag team wrestler and to start being placed on the singles rankings by himself
2: and that's exactly what i am talking about is though is that that is such a beautiful story Kip storytelling capability compared to what I've seen in a lot of other uh, feuds is just because it's really about the ego of the people involved and them reacting in the moment. It seems like it's an actual passion-driven reaction. It feels less staged, and you can actually feel like it would be a natural angle for them to reconcile eventually. Whether they do or not, I have a feeling they'll end up in some Mm -hmm. kind of a team again because they work so well together and they can put on such good matches. But I mean, this sets a stage that says, hey, we have a conflict now but we can uh, reconcile it later. And I think that's really good storytelling.
0: So next we have Orange Cassidy against John Silver in the John Silver. Thanks for getting over on, on being the elite match. What?
4: yeah.
0: And I was really impressed by John Silver. He was funny. He was a funny heel to match the funny face of Orange Cassidy I thought ripping out the pockets was excellent.
3: It was
0: <laughs> so great. I this... I really liked the match. So what did everyone else think?
4: I, this was my this... pick. This was my favorite. This is my match tonight. That was hilarious as hell. They worked so well together. And finally, someone sees John Silver as great as a solo wrestler. He's like five foot nothing of pure compact energy and power, and they're just wasting him otherwise. I'm glad he's working so well for Orange Cassidy.
3: I think my spot of if, if it wasn't for the pocket spot, I think the other my second favorite spot of that night was like early on, when like you see Orange Cassidy slowly going to put his hands in his pockets and John Silver's just not even looking at Orange Cassidy in the face, just looking at his hands, going, No, no. And as Orange Cassidy lowers his hands, he is lowering his body to to just keep level with his with Orange Cassidy's hands.
4: I love that one arm gorilla press he friggin' did. He looked like Vegeta at that point, just holding Napa over. No, Goku holding Napa over his head. Just one arm. I'm the only one I watched Dragon Ball Z. No,
3: <laughs> you're not. No, but that I will say though, that image of Goku doing that has been has been ruined for me because of the memes where they have photoshopped Goku out and photoshopped Squidward in. <laughs>
0: Stay off the internet. So, do people think that there is a potential face run in for John Silver? Is he now the person that we want to see like potentially break out of the Dark Order and feud with Brody Lee and yeah. be a mid-card dude? Or where where do we see John Silver's ceiling?
3: I, I can see him be becoming TNT champion. Mm. I don't think he should ever feud with Brody Lee because their size difference is too great to for me for it to be a believable thing that John Silver like they they would need to do something for me to make for it be believable to me that John Silver could beat Brody.
4: Sorry, fuck you, Kevin but... Nash. <laughs> this is Kevin Nash, Ray Mysterio, energy, absolutely giant killer stuff. No, that's why it would work. Right. If you have John Silver taking on each member of the Dark Order one at a time, getting the big boss <sighs> Shang Tsung, Shao Kahn, Brody Lee, that's endearing. Yeah. I mean, case. if you
3: can build him up, you, yeah, I need. They need to do something where they can build him up to do it, but. But unless they do something like that, I don't they're, like there this John Silver cannot beat anyone else on the roster. Cannot oh, beat any. Gorilla press
6: Lee. Dude is
4: predetermined. We could make it look believable. It, it'll happen. Like it was, we're behind him. We're behind him and that's enough. We made freaking Eugene happen. We made Santino a thing. We Just because we made
3: them happen doesn't mean they should have happened. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think before you have him like go on a major feud for a title or even against someone like Bro- someone like Brody Lee, you would need to see if he can turn his turn his comedic energy into more serious energy, um to show that other side. Orange Cassidy has been able to do that, so I do think there is something there, but there there's only so much you can get by doing Doing your spots and then doing a uh, doing a bu- double bicep pose and going boom, which always makes me laugh. But there's a ceiling to that. Yeah. I mean, I see, John- this is
3: where. Oh, go ahead. Hey, there you go. So, so, I mean, John C- John Silver's good because he's he's a he's a kid who has a young, has a long career ahead of him. To to borrow the BTE bit that, that they've been using. But what were you gonna say, Andy? So I was gonna say this. we jump all as the dissenting opinion. Where
2: I, not that I disliked the match, but I was not nearly as entertained by it as I think everyone else was. Because for me, it crossed that line of being too much comedy for the content. Which is weird for me, because normally I'm a big fan of the comedy matches. But to that point, and what you said, Tony, is that I think Silver's a very talented wrestler, but I think it needs to feel like a little bit less, I think that, it, I feel like the problem I had was the jokes hit the same tone too many times. of, Hey, look at how strong I am, despite how small I am. I would like to see
1: some range. Andy, so I have a question for you then. Do you also think, I mean, you're talking about where John Silver's ceiling at after this is too, but do you think Orange Cassidy from your viewpoint also suffered from this match? Because where do you think he goes from here?
2: Well, I would say that's actually probably Cassidy's biggest issue, at least as I understand it. And I'm going to sit there and say, I have not seen the last two weeks dynamite. So there may be a story I'm unfamiliar with, but uh, is that he doesn't have a great place to go. Not that the character can't, That, but AEW has not set it up to give him a good place to go. I think that at a certain point, Orange Cassidy has to hit the angle where unfortunately he grows up a bit from his lazy thing. Like he can still have elements of it, but the character needs to evolve.
5: I agree, but he, its he's not there yet. He's, there will be a point where, you know, laid back freshly squeezed orange Cassidy has to get serious. Um, Yeah. And there's, there's only so far this gimmick can take him. I don't think he's there yet. I would like to see this version of orange Cassidy hold say the TNT title and then maybe evolve into something a little bit more like a more serious version of himself. And Susie, don't get me
2: wrong. I'm not trying to say he needs to change now. That was more just to answer or Joey's question. But I mean, if it had been one or the other, if they had had a serious counterpoint to silver or a serious counterpoint to, to orange Cassidy, I, it, the match, it, other than that, the match was ex- exactly the same. I think it would have been better from my perspective, but to me, there wasn't enough contrast. It was comedy on comedy, but they don't have, they don't have comedies that work well together. At least, and that's just my opinion. I know that I'm the, uh, black sheep in the family on that one, but that I just I wasn't as entertained by other as other people were.
0: Yeah, I think it I think some of that might be because you haven't seen the build. The build to this match was uh basically John Silver has made his way into interfering in a couple of Orange Cassidy's matches or a couple best friends matches. And this is kind of booked as John Silver is the dog that's caught the car. And While he can step up a little bit, um, Orange Cassidy still doesn't necessarily take him seriously, and that's why he's just so flustered whenever Orange Cassidy goes back to his comedy spots of either pointing his hands in his pockets or doing the incredibly weak kicks and all of that other stuff. So that's maybe why I enjoyed this a little bit more. It's because the build felt necessary even for something in the lower card.
3: And originally, this was also supposed to be the pre-show match. Before they added D versus K, this was what was going to be on the pre-show.
5: I'm glad it wasn't on the pre-show. I think, I think this deserved to be in the exact... It was in the perfect spot. This was yeah. the perfect follow-up match for Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. This, it was the perfect follow-up match. And I love Orange Cassidy. He's probably my favorite wrestler in AEW it's he's got my favorite gimmick i like his style i i hate the best friends i wish he had better a better tag team in his corner but whatever can't have everything um uh, but There's i
4: saw the palatins match
5: can
2: we just be happy that the ones in this corner aren't uh you know
3: evps it's not saying names.
5: yeah 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 that's true that It's very true
3: well, that's because the guy the, that two of the EVPs have been in a corner of has two wins.
5: should be
2: butchering the blade. <laughs> no. Ew.
4: No
3: letter
2: to circle this all back around, though, I think John Silver showed enough talent to show that he has a very high ceiling. I think the question is either going to be how they change his characterization or who they choose to pair him up against. I think he's one of those people that's flexible enough that either of those can really help accelerate him. And so I hope that both he and the company recognize that. Um, but I think that he has to have either a better pairing personality-wise, and again, maybe I just missed something, as Tony mentioned, or he needs to be able to show a bit
1: more range characteristically.
0: Makes sense. Joey, do you have any final thoughts? You've been mostly quiet.
1: All I can say about this match is John Silver was, is a smaller guy, but holy cow, he is country strong. That's all I got.
4: Exactly. <laughs> He's like a bald Daniel Bryan over there. I totally believe him taking down big guys.
0: There is an alternate universe somewhere where uh, John Silver gets chosen for Tough Enough and uh, Patrick What's-His-Face, whose Velveteen Dream doesn't, and John Silver is in NXT. So
3: what I'm hearing is there's an alternate universe where John Silver is Velveteen Dream. <laughs> <laughs> no changes oh. to the character, just just John Silver <laughs> as Velveteen Dream. Velveteen or
1: John Silver's next shorts. They call me up, Vince. John Velveteen <laughs> Dream. Dream.
0: <laughs> Moving on to Darby Allen against Cody Rhodes for the TNT title. Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson. Darby Allen comes out with a with a friend in a car, and then. Selfishly smashes the windshield for reasons. Well, actually, to set up the shot at the very end, but I,
3: I also, if like, if from what Darby's character is, him doing that feels like something he would naturally do. <laughs> it didn't feel something contrived to set up that shot later, but
6: <laughs>
4: I just hate cars. I hate life,
6: but I hate cars. <laughs> I hate this weird show.
3: I think, Dar- I think Darby Allen hates cars as well, because in the promo package for this, for that same car, we see him use his skateboard to break the back window of the car, simply so he can then put his skateboard into the backseat of the car. <laughs> instead of simply <laughs> opening the door of the car. Well, oh, man, fuck cars. and I like the
2: fact that he describes it at the beginning as, this is my crappy car where I go to think. <laughs>
3: sitting in my crappy car thinking
5: there's also the really sad story of like his drunk driver uncle that died while he was in the car and it's like okay you being absolutely fucking batshit crazy that makes sense now I knew there was something I knew it I called it that oh man
4: his origin story is Peter Parker moment
5: fucking that early childhood trauma shit yeah that's what he's running from he doesn't fucking feel pain because he's already felt the worst pain he's ever gonna feel in his life.
4: I became the thing that I feared: skeletons.
5: Yeah, that dude <laughs> needs therapy and some antidepressants. Uh, however, I love him as the T N T champion. I am so happy. I'm so happy. I could have cried. I did cry, lots of that. Just yeah, I, I'm so happy.
4: That's not Cody Rhodes anymore. This is gonna be a new era. And the, the next, the next feud is <laughs> already set up. Freaking Brian Cage comes out. And just wailed on him immediately. Like, now we're wasting no, no fucking time. Did you no see, time.
5: Did you see, too, it's Brian Cage and Ricky Starks both picked up the title? I think – I I don't think they're both going to make it, if you know what I mean. I, I think – You
4: think the pandemic's going to get Ricky Starks and, and – no, yes. I, no,
5: I don't think the – what? No. I don't think the pandemic – I see is,
4: what you're putting down.
5: No. What? What's the matter with you? What drugs are you on?
2: And why aren't you sharing?
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, one of them is uh, Taz is gonna drop one of them. I don't know which one of them. But... I feel like it's gonna be the skinny one. That's It's
3: gonna go- lie. I I he he I think he'll he needs to drop he needs to drop Ricky because Ricky doesn't need a mouthpiece as much as Brian Cage does. Exactly. Brian which Cage. Like Brian talking. Cage. While he can talk, cannot talk. Like he he could use someone talking for him. And Ricky is amazing. Like Ricky with a microphone is amazing.
4: It's like they stuck the Rock in a sauna and now came Ricky Starks?
3: I I said when we were watching the match, I I likened to like when uh, Cody trying to bring Darby Allen in and looking at Darby Allen and saying, "I shall call him Mini Me," and that is the same thing with, with if the Rock were to meet if the Rock were to meet Ricky Starks. I feel that would be a very similar interaction. I
0: don't know. So I was talking to Tina when watching Dark, um, and we were talking about Ricky Starks, and going over that... I forget which, which wrestler we were talking about that's like a lesser Ricky Starks. And we said, okay, so if wrestlers are Pokemon, this wrestler evolves into Ricky Starks. And then Ricky Starks evolves into something else. And we were trying to think of what it was, and it's like it kind of feels like it should it hey, the final evolution should be the rock, but I don't think that like it would fit with like current rock. So it would be like Ricky Starks evolves to another base level form, so he evolves into Rocky My <laughs> Yeah,
3: yeah, that's it.
5: Or um you
4: got your starter.
0: He <laughs> evolves
3: Maivia. he evolves into corporate rock. <laughs>
5: I was gonna say we're silk shirt rock. That's Ricky Starks looks like a stripper from Miami that like is stuck in 1994.
3: I'm Ricky sorry. Starks.
6: What's wrong with that?
5: Nothing. That's just what he looks like. it. I hate I... his. I hate his loafers. That he looks like a knight of the Rock <laughs> Hold on a second. What the hell was that?
0: So since we are talking about everything except the match, Joey. What did you think of the three-star Cody Rhodes against Darby Allin match? Well, again,
1: I mean, to quote Marlon Filagintz, I'm a sucker for a good small package because this one I know (laughs) did not end by finisher. I mean, there's two things that stand out. The first one, well, actually three things. The first one, Darby Darby Allin's tights under his jords. So Darby Allen's tights under his jorts, thing number one. Number two, Cody proposing to Darby Allen. Will you be my ace in the hole with my ace belt? Sorry, guys. <laughs> and the last one, of course, is, of course, Cody Rhodes needs this match to have an obscenely long ending and a match that felt too long.
2: Well, and that's what I was going to say is that I want to give Darby Allen one of my potential two picks for MVP for the entire night. For actually doing a damn good job of making Cody look like he gave a fuck. Because Cody did not feel like he gave a fuck in this. He just felt like he was there because he deserved to be there. Not because he had any investment
0: in the match itself. See, I think Cody still gives a fuck. But I think the problem is that he gives so much of a fuck. But wants to make it like he's like cool cucumber main eventer. And he... In essence, Cody is still a Mid-Carter, and he always will be a Mid-Carter because Cody Rhodes is a Mid-Carter. Uh,
2: Cody, if you agree. subscribe to our Patreon with $500 a month, we will take that back.
3: And after we, after you guys make Tony take that back, I will then reiterate it and refuse to take it back.
2: <laughs> I mean, we'll have gotten our $500. bucks. i am happy at that point.
0: Ace <laughs> cannot be and, bought. There are some (laughs) AEW things that kind of bother me, and it's there are a few, like, hey, AEW, straighten your tie moments where maybe you should have told them not to do it. To have Cody kick out of the coffin drop seemed unnecessary to me, and kind of looking at every match going down the line, since I have the match list in front of me, from the John Silver match, almost every single match has a situation where it's like just one thing tends to like spiral the match down from almost perfect to just kind of either middling or okay.
3: Look, cause I, I'm also looking at the match times starting with this match. I think every match that has at least a good either some matches, it's maybe only like one minute that needs to be shaved off, but most of the matches left in the night, have like you could shave five minutes off these matches and they would be the exact same match just easier to digest because not only so, I like, my my because co- not only did cody kick out of the of the coffin drop he kicked out of that last supper pin combination that darby's been using as well where he put where he kind of pulls them into a figure four and then flips over them yeah and then uh, i'll my another issue i have with which mostly it's with Cody Road matches in general, is why does why is Arn Anderson cosplaying as Andy Reed and <laughs> and carrying his laminated play sheet that <laughs> That was hilarious.
2: I don't care. I laugh harder at that than probably anything else the rest of the night. Yeah,
3: Joey,
0: you Joey, you really laughed at uh when Cody went to the outside of the ring, Arn was giving Cody advice with still the place the the Denny's placemat covering his mouth.
1: Yeah, just like how <laughs> NFL coaches do. Like, well, I mean, there's lip readers on the sideline. I can't have them reading my lips so they know the play. It's like, you're yelling at Cody and Darby's <laughs> right in the ring. He can hear you. Well, it's not like he even had a playbook either. It's like he
2: had this one sheet of paper, and like he was like so proud of it that he went out of his way and laminated it.
3: Like, <laughs> no. this is the sheet that will do it. Oh, and then I after think- the match... Like after the match, he's shaking it at Cody, saying, like, "You didn't follow the plays. I, I you did. You didn't do what I was telling you to do." Like
4: now, the <laughs> wizard will be angry. What have you done? What I, have
5: you done? I feel like his little play sheet is like the la- it. It looks like a laminated schematic for a target shelf. <laughs> well,
2: like, I wish <laughs> they would have like done a close up on it at the end, and it just said strategy to win. Ah, uh, pin Darby.
0: <laughs> it reminds me of when, um, in the in the height of the S.H.I.E.L.D. booking, when it was mainly uh, Daniel Bryan and Kane against the S.H.I.E.L.D., and for one of these matches where they assemble a super team against the S.H.I.E.L.D. and the S.H.I.E.L.D. just wins, they actually got the Undertaker as part of it, and Taker was at least somewhat decent in the ring back in 2014. 24- was it 2013 or 2014? But they have this promo segment at the uh just before the match where uh, Daniel Bryan is t- is telling Kane, "It's like, hey, is is your brother coming? Because I have a game plan and everything. Everything else, I have this sheet of paper with diagrams on it." <laughs> and
3: The thing is, though, with that, it is some, that is something being played for comedy. This is something that's supposed to be taken very seriously. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and then i'm reminded as he's doing this oh right the nightmare family i picked them as my team
6: yeah uh, i like the
4: look though it looks like he's he's a race car or something and he has a whole crew with him It's Just the, to keep him going
3: oh, but he keeps adding people for no reason uh yeah there's a
2: damn good reason have what have is you the reason his that go? All-
3: What is the real? What is? Give me any reason why anybody outside that is not named Billy wants to team with Austin Gunn? Ego. (laughs) (laughs) Austin, I'm going to lean as far over this barricade as I possibly can to yell to to yell while I'm standing at ringside.
5: How badly you suck!
3: Like if if I lean the further I lean, the more effect my cheers have. Is that is that not true?
5: It's
4: that's how it works in the wrestling arena. That's the moment you enter I, the premises.
5: Austin Gunn I, is pretty—he's pretty brutal to watch, and I. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like, and again, he, I I don't know how long Austin Gunn has been in the wrestling business. I don't and like someone. there's a part of me that wants to give him the benefit of the doubt, but
5: hey, listen, with
6: exactly,
3: the only the only exactly thing you're willing, to cereal <laughs>
5: can figure it out. So can he.
3: but like when when really the only thing that you have done so far is you have had you you have had tag matches in which you have either been pinned or your dad got the pin (laughs) your
6: Your
3: your 50 your 50 year old dad who is also the largest guy on the roster
2: i'm sorry i didn't realize we were making predictions about the upcoming Rey mysterio matches
3: Hey, the, the the here's the difference though is Rey Mysterio is not the right Mysterio. While it would be close, would not be the largest man on the AEW roster.
2: It's true. He also has a bit more integrity as a per, you know personally.
0: Okay, and if anyone's interested, I posted what I think is on Arn Anderson's laminated sheet in the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, will you say it just for the listeners? Yeah, so it's the actual Daniel Bryan diagram that was in that segment that I mentioned earlier, and it's a square, and it just has written in the middle of it, me with two arrows pointing to two corners. And then on the outside of the ring, there is a diagram for where the announcer's table is, and then written underneath is surprise with three exclamation marks. (laughs) And on the other side it says Shield of Two or something to that effect.
4: <laughs> yeah, pretty sure that's Shield of Two. Just go- shit.
0: Just Google Daniel Bryan diagrams and you will you will see what I am I am talking about. It was a great segment.
4: Dude, he's almost a Hall of Famer. That shit works. I trust Daniel Bryan.
0: <laughs>
2: so this actually brings me to a question I was gonna ask earlier. Do we know for a fact Daniel Bryan is not just Mr. Silver with a wig.
0: No, John Silver is too muscular to be Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan—that's part
2: of the trick. He's in the more muscular. Talent. He looks more muscular when he's bald.
1: <laughs> Daniel I'm Bryan so is stronger than you think. I mean, he's a strong—he's a strong dude. But I mean, hey, you he can, let, be, mus- let, he can he be muscular again. without being strong. Well, then, Andy, you can be mad because he's about to feud with Roman Reigns, and we know who's going to win that feud.
2: Yes, we do. And I'm not going to get mad because I've given up.
0: So, time, <laughs> speaking of giving up, let's move on to Hikaru Shida against Nyla Rose yeah. in a match where the promo segment was as long as the build, actually longer than the build, probably twice the hey, twice as long as the build. And <laughs> it is a rematch, not from the previous pay per view, but from two pay per views before where Nyla Rose has been the number one contender this entire time. And before I let Susie, I imagine, rant about this match, I will say this. It seems at least that that AEW is trying somewhat, and despite the build, the match was as good as it probably could have been. Aside from one big mistake, in my opinion, where Hikaru Shida actually shows her character from Shimmer, where she pulls Nyla Rose out of a pin, and then proceeds to get beaten up. I think you could do more, <laughs> especially if Hikaru Shida is winning. If you pull her up from a pin, then go and just knee her again and win. That's more character work than, I pulled you up from a pin and now I'm going to get beaten down for another five minutes.
5: This entire match! It was just hard to watch. Why is Hikaru Shida still the champion? It's not fair. It's just it's just bullshit at this point. I don't know why they leave the belt on her when there is so much more talent to work with. Nyla Rose should have won this match. There is absolutely no reason she should not have won this match. She had Vicky Guerrero in her corner. It it was it was the perfect heel victory and it didn't happen. And it's exhausting to watch this happen over and over
3: and See? over
5: again. I hate it. It's like how many we fucking get it. You want her to be champion. All right. Fine. Make her but I'm actually gonna throw. Perform.
2: I'm going to actually throw something out there to counter what you just said, which is that, yes, we can make all the comments we want about, uh, you know, her not doing well enough, but I would still much rather have her as the champion because Nyla Rose's history of injuries is too much, in my opinion. She's someone that needs to be watched until she can show to be a safe wrestler because if she's in a if she's a champion, that means she's going to be fighting other people who are presumably champion quality. And if she is, she can't, you can't have her injuring them all.
5: There's nobody else that's champion quality on AEW, though. But do you, does
2: that mean you should turn around and give a high risk of injury to anyone who could come up?
5: Do I, you, She doesn't have to wrestle every week. Let her run her for I Guerrero. I, would, I would
2: honestly let them – I would be much happier if they gave it to Britt Baker, and I'm not even a Britt Baker fan, because I just don't agree with the idea of making a champion who's known for actually injuring their opponents. It's just – that's too much risk to ask people to go and in. And then at.
5: even then, fine, make it Britt Baker. Either but, way, there is no reason Hikaru Shida should still be the champion. Zero. So, and
2: you can make that comment, but what I would say to that is then we're not saying that Nyla Rose should have won. We're saying that she should have lost, which is a very big thing to say Riho should have lost. That's, I mean, there's a key difference there. We're not saying that Nyla deserved it, we're saying Riho didn't. Oh yeah,
4: Rio absolutely did not deserve it. Rio should so, have not made it to this match. The thing
2: is that
4: I think we're getting confused
3: real quick. I think you are getting confused between Hikaru Shida and Riho.
2: And oh, sorry, I meant oh. Shida. Sorry, I misspoke. Yeah, that's
3: just, if, if,
2: oh, okay, Shida. <laughs> but no, but my my point is my point remains the same though. Is that there's a difference in saying your current champion doesn't deserve it, in saying that the person they fought
1: should did deserve it. There's a key difference. My reply to Andy, though, um, I would say, like, if you were going to make Nyla Rose the champion, there's a little bit of work around what you can tell her to do because she has the size compared to her competitors is you can tell her to work more slow in the ring, work more methodical, because it is believable that she would just beat you up just because she has the size advantage. But And then my question to Susie is, we've agreed in the past that she does probably not – True champion quality of the NXTs or the main roster WWE compared to those the women on those rosters. But is this partially also on AEW just for not give putting in the time to focus on Sheeta on TV? So you basically throw them into this pay-per-view match blind.
5: It's it, it's a general failing of the women's division as a whole. It's not just Sheeta who doesn't get the time and attention and the focus and the honest critique of, okay, you did this good, you did this bad, do this better. And if you can't do it better, you don't get to be champion. The women's division is in AEW is sorely lacking. There were two women's division matches tonight. One was on the buy-in, the pre-show, and that was a better match featuring zero AEW talent then the AEW women's division match that's a problem that's a big problem that you have to bring in women from another promotion to bring up your women's division that's an issue but, but even are-
3: Susie- that was AEW's women's division from its start was when they were they were bringing in the female wrestlers from Japan because that's who Kenny wanted who Kenny wanted to focus on since he's in, since he's one of the people in charge of the division
0: Yeah, Suz that to give you an idea is um I looked at because I really want to watch say a stardom show at some point because they legitimately have probably the best female wrestling in the world um between them and impact. And I was looking at the card and I saw that Riho was wrestling on the stardom show. It's like, oh, I remember seeing that name. And I think it just goes to show that. Once again the original plan with with AEW's women's division was that they would elevate Joshi wrestlers and kind of work with them to make their women's division like the high work rate thing that wrestling fans wanted while also developing their in-house talent so your Britt Bakers your allies um and on the other side, Brandy Rhodes. And Brandy Rhodes, they thought, was a bankable star, and that's not necessarily really the case. That kind of fell apart because of the pandemic, Um, because now you have a lot of people who don't want to travel, so that kind of completely blows up your talent from Japan. Fortunately, Hikaru Shida lives in Florida, I believe, so it's completely fine, or at least is there often enough that it's not really an issue. So it turns into a giant clusterfuck. And I think what's most important is at least behind the scenes, AEW is working to correct this in the same way that they were originally going to book their women's division, where they look to outside promotions and look to partnerships. Because... They have a handshake agreement now with Billy Corgan in NWA. Granted, it is a women's division literally of four to five people, but they are four to five people that are decently good. And now they have a handshake agreement with Impact, who they got their head booker to be on commentary for the Kenny Omega Hangman Page match. And Impact has the best which was women terrible women commentary. In <laughs> <laughs> That's because Don
3: Callis has always been terrible commentary.
0: Yeah, she's like, I'm sorry. They should have
2: chosen the better talent for that one. Uh, the, the, yeah, the, I'm the, here. Look at my title. I work for this company. Go do.
3: The, the reason they chose Don Callis is because Don Callis has a personal relationship with Kenny Omega.
2: Gotcha. Okay. I was not aware of that.
3: Yeah.
5: But I mean, all, uh, of that, all of that doesn't change the fact that you have all of this in house talent. You have Britt Baker, Big Swole. Uh, Ivalice, uh, yeah, Diamante what mm-hmm. are you doing you just had this huge women's tag team tournament thing where the fuck are the winners of that tournament and why aren't they on TV
0: Britt Baker uh, they tried that? giving a mega push right at the beginning and that fell apart and her face turned and by the time they had turned her heel she broke her face and now it, she's kind of on the cusp of actually being cleared by doctors to actually wrestle so she's on the shelf right now. Big Swole is limited still. And they aren't going to put the title on her, I think, mainly because it is face versus face. So they're in a they're in a weird middle ground there. Generally, when AEW does face versus face matches, they want it to at least be important because you can end up with a same alignment structure, similar to the MJF Chris Jericho match, where it all gets kind of confusing.
3: Um,
5: I'd rather be I- Ival- confused and have a good champion.
3: Eveleese, I think, right? I think she got herself in some hot water when she decided to kind of shoot on Thunder Rosa during her NWA title match a few weeks ago.
4: But hey, there's nothing wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with the division. It's their champion. All you have to do is move that belt. You can move that belt to literally anybody who took part in that tournament, and it would be better. You bring back up Sheeta as an underdog, and that's how she works. Her whole thing is being an underdog. She's like the female Orange Cassidy. So you just kind of build that up, have her go up the ranks up against nada Rose and other wrestlers. I'd buy that. But her as the champion on top this long, you're doing I nothing I agree. problem. I, yeah. problem.
3: I, I think their biggest issue was they were pushing they were, they were pushing for the next basically the next few to be they were, they were pushing for Chris Statlander and for Britt Baker. Chris Statlander and Britt Baker got injured within like two weeks of each other. Uh, Chris Statlander was injuring everybody. Gee, we talk about Nyla
1: Rose. Chris Statlander is probably even more dangerous than anybody. In I'm game. not. I'm
2: not making any argument against that. I'm just saying, is that I want to see someone at the top who's not going to injure their opponents.
1: No, it, but I mean, okay. So going back to the match, I mean, I think we all agree this match went at least five minutes too long. Yes, right. Especially yes. when you have oh. when you have the underweight champion, or or at least the smaller champion going, the underdog champion going up against the bigger monster heel especially even with a manager in her corner. What you're usually playing on is like, you know, she's just going to get beat up the whole time. So hopefully she can make some kind of comeback and find some way. Although again, whether we feel that Cheetah should have won or lost or her, neither here or there too. I mean, the other problem is that we also compare it to the NXT women's division who has Io Shirai and Candice LeRae. You compare it to SmackDown. Who's got Bailey and Sasha Banks. Who's probably the best worker in the world. And I mean, you also compare it to Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler. I mean, the bottom line is, I mean, Tony, and I mean, you can compare it to Jordan Grace too, although I mean, all those names I named in WWE, I would put all of them against anybody in stardom or uh, impact. I think that's a different argument, but um, the bottom line is it's tough to compare it with this. I mean, the AEW is trying to get there. I think they just need to find their one person to
3: really headline. I, I will give this match this. I enjoyed the fact that just from the start, Nyla was frustrated enough to, like, two minutes in. All right, I'm going to go grab a chair. I'm going to go grab a table. I'm going <laughs> to—and Aubrey's going to have to tell me no. It kind of feels like
4: an overreaction. Like, that's the reaction you have to someone who's bigger than you. And, like, I'm going to need all this weaponry just to take them down. I feel I- like— she doesn't re- require that response. It's freaking Sheeta. Who cares? Uh, He's tiny.
3: The, the reason I think that in Nyla's mind it can require that response is Sheeta beat Nyla last time they faced. They wrestled. The only times we've seen Nyla get like any sort of leg up on Sheeta has been like after Sheeta's already been through a match and been worn out.
0: Just Anthony gonna wear her out. Yeah. So, so moving on to the longest match. By a lot of the night. 11 minutes. We had the Young Bucks against FTR. Twitter asked for it. Wrestling Twitter asked for it. I asked for it. And what I got was, well, a match that a lot of wrestling journalists, at least Meltzer and um, and personalities like Brian Zane seem to really like. Um, a lot of people consider this the best match on the card. I am going to disagree and I can get into the nitty-gritty as we get into conversation but let's start with Ace what did you think of
3: this match I think you know, they 5 5 minutes of this 5 to 7 minutes of this match could have been cut out and it would have been a much better match I we but I I have not enjoyed the story they have been telling. I do not enjoy the way that Young Bucks handle the their storylines, and it was coming into this match. It was confusing. Where are the Bucks heels or the Bucks faces? They've been super kicking everybody in the face. They've been super kicking everybody in the face. They've been attacking. They've been attacking Private Party, who is your young babyface team. They've been attacking them. They've this, uh, so to make it seem very clear that they're heels. And then two weeks before the two, two weeks before the match, they realize, "Oh crap, we have ourselves behind the eight ball with this story here." So let's have let's have them break my break one of the young bucks' ankles, so that the young bucks can go into this match injured and be and get sympathy that way. And then let's also put the the babyface stipulation of, "Hey, if I, if we lose, we'll never challenge for these again." Which is not the which, this is this is not like the same stipulation that Cody put on himself for no reason that last year's full gear. <laughs> this is a totally different earned version of that stipulation. and i
5: ugh. I hate that stipulation because you always know who's going to win. Whoever put says that wins the title nine times out of ten. And if they lose the title, they come back with some contract negotiation unsanctioned match blah blah it's the you know same yeah. same shit different record and but, i hated it
3: yeah. I in hated my it. in my opinion the best way to do that stipulation is one you don't do it on the first match of a feud yeah because why why would you put that on yourself we've never thought we've never <laughs> faced each other before so i'm going to stake everything on the fact that i can beat you once <laughs> and when you do use that stipulation the best way the best way i've seen sp- promotions use that type of stipulation is this i will never challenge for those ta- like y- the young Bucks would never challenge for those tag titles for as long as ftr were the champions once ftr loses those belts young Bucks can challenge the next champions they've prom- that that's the way you i feel you need to do this type of stipulation
5: it, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, that's the, the compromise if you don't want it to be as spoilery, but I it, it's still, having that stipulation, you know they're not going to go anywhere, this is their company, they're not going to leave, they're not going to stop wrestling, they're in their minds, in the prime of their career, or on the verge of it, if they're not already, there's no way they're going to stop, it was just like, oh, well now we know who wins, and then sure enough, it took them way too long to win the match, and surprised, oh, they're the new tag team champion. It wasn't, it wasn't a surprise. It was just kind of like, oh, not surprised, but definitely disappointed.
4: It felt like they wanted to add stakes for no reason, just to make it just add risk, just add like, hey, here's thing on top for kicks and giggles. But it didn't really do anything because all it did was confirm that they were going to win. Like they're right. not going to go
2: away. You're right. But this is just a continuing thing that we. Touched on almost every time we've discussed AW, it was pay per views, is that the EVPs self aggrandize too much. It's not that it can't be done, it's not that it shouldn't be done. The fact is, we call them out every single pay per view. And the fact we don't even get a single pay per view of break is an issue.
0: It's really strange to be on the EVP side because here we get three very different um reactions to the criticism of the exec uh, the uh the evps because we get kenny omega who seems to have internalized the criticism and actively went to make sure to arrange for a match to go against that criticism it was shorter it was more succinct and the storytelling was very very like by the book um when listening to Cody Rhodes and conference calls and things like that, he definitely listens to all the criticism he receives, but he approaches it, it seems, from a standpoint of, oh, as long as I acknowledge the criticism, I don't need to do anything about it. So he'll say, like, oh, I'm doing this, this, and this, and actually he's not doing a goddamn thing. Um, the Young Bucks seem to be spiteful <laughs> and. They get criticism, and then they say, fuck you, I'm just going to do this anyway. And you just get the worst possible version of the Young Bucks by doing that. So I think there's a weird kind of dichotomy. It would be a trichotomy
3: there. Um, <laughs> and, but, uh, three ahead, I, I've, I've, My issue with the Young Bucks is... The young bucks it's like are, have gotten to a point where now they don't feel like they need to, they, where it seems they don't feel like they need to earn anything that they should just be taken like they should be able to say now that we're the greatest tag team and not have to continue to prove that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like all they set up
2: around FTR and then immediately just throwing them under the fucking bus because young cause, bucks.
3: Yeah, well, because so when, from what I have come to understand from when the young bucks left New Japan. The Young Bucks biggest issue with New Japan was that New Japan did not want was not was not ready to position them as the top heavyweight tag team of the New Japan of of the of their promotion. New Japan was hesitant to do this because when they asked young, when Young Bucks were like, "Hey, make us your top heavyweight tag team." They said, "Okay. We will want we want you then to participate in our heavyweight tag team tournament in December, which will require you being over here for a month and doing a tour over here." in which the young bucks said no so new japan's like okay then we can't make you our top heavyweight tag team if you're not going to t- if you're not going to be in our no- in our big tournament it would be the same thing as if their g1 if the iwgp champion was like no i'm not going to participate in the g1 but new but the young bucks took that as a slight of well they're not going to give us the respect that we think we're owed because we're not going to do this tournament
0: yeah. And the sad thing is I understand both sides because the Bucks had had families and everything else. So
3: Yeah. I I can I can understand why the Young Bucks don't want to be, but you also then have to understand why New Japan would want you over there during their big tag team tournament. Yeah. Yeah, Even I mean good, it's no different than any other career. Good faith.
2: Yeah. You're right. It's no different than any other career. You can choose to make sacrifices in terms of your career. Or you can choose not to. But if you choose not to, you can't blame the company for going with the people who will.
0: Yeah, so and this is the thing that bothered me about this match. Once again, it's kind of a straighten your tie type thing. So from what I gathered on the people who are positive about this match, they're positive because it's oh, it was a love letter to tag teams of the past. You have the you have FTR who does like the, the heart attack, they do the Steiner's finisher, they do all of these things. And meanwhile, the Young Bucks do the 3D, they do the Twist of Fate, they do the, the tag team finishers that they came up with. In the meta problem I have there is that in the end, they are saying that we are better than all of these tag teams, because every single one of those spots ends with a kickout. There isn't a delay in getting the cover on some of these that they aren't protected finishers. So that's kind of what bothered me is that if this is a love letter to tag teams, why did they just spend the entire time kind of shitting on their moves?
1: Well, Tony, I mean, realistically, I mean, we can talk about how the bucks wield themselves politically backstage I mean, that's a different conversation. This match alone, I think we all agree went too long, but this has always been part of the Bucks ring psychology. It's been high spot, high spot, high spot, but until the fact where honestly the finish just feels underwhelming, especially when you're ready for the match to be over anyway.
0: Yeah, I think my problem is there's a better match here if they really wanted to tell a good match that fit with the story that the build was telling, it's that FTR are the students of the game tag team. They, they're the throwbacks, and if FTR were pulling out all of these previous tag team finishers or all of these previous like tactics that previous tag team uses, and you have that stated in commentary of, oh, this is a Midnight Express thing. Oh, this is a, this is a Heart Foundation thing then it kind of establishes that and maybe the only way the young bucks can finally get the win is by doing like their own finisher or coming up with some new style finish that they figured out but instead like you even get a throwback to the old DIY against the revival finish which was kind of weird so i don't know i i think it's just the Generally I say that the the issue I have with like seeing a seeing a bad movie and seeing a mediocre movie is you see the mediocre movie and you can think of like eight different ways that it could be better. Meanwhile, bad movies are normally just disasters and it's better to just not deal deal with them anymore. And I imagine that you guys who watch See No Evil can attest to that. <laughs> but that's my problem with it. It is I was expecting something more and instead I got a two and a half to three star match in my opinion.
1: And I would agree. And on that note, I got to bail kids. So okay. Thank you all and talk to you all soon. Oh, by the way, okay, and they hey, killed hey,
5: Sammy
4: Guevara.
1: Hey. It's the next match. Uh, <laughs> yeah, That kid's dead.
0: Crazy dead. But anyone have any final thoughts on Bucks against FTR?
3: I, I want to the- say to your point, Tony, about them kicking out of these old finishers. I think that's the way that the the way I've always seen people kicking out of other other finishers. It's always been that the reason the reason the the like the reason the heart attack didn't work for when the when FTR did it is because they they're not doing it just as as they're not doing it as snugly as as the heart foundation. The heart foundation that was their move they knew exactly how to do to put somebody down. But that's just my how that's how my brain works around that.
0: Yeah. I know that's the generally the kayfabe of it. I'm just I'm looking at that that weird meta commentary.
2: I I think it could have worked a bit better if it was more back and forth with the old finishers that neither side could land the old finishers well um, and that that, that's very established. And then they either end it with their own or something new to your point, Tony. Because then it's not just, hey, look at how bad these are. It sells more of what Ace just said of, hey, look, no one can land these things but the people who did them.
0: Mm -hmm. So moving on to... I would say that this is my other match of the night, but I can't necessarily have two. But it also wasn't a match. <laughs> the <laughs> The Elite Deletion was a was a vignette, a, a small movie, a short film, and I really liked it. But I ta- I've talked way too much. So, Andy, you take it away and talking about the the passion of Sammy Guevara
2: uh i thought it was really well done i feel like you know looking at what happened at all out this is exactly what they should have been doing to begin with instead of going for the riskier spots but i also feel it fell short of the campy epicness of the final deletion um and not i would know that there's a lot of arguments to be made that you shouldn't compare them it's not a competition but then give them a different name or somehow set them apart uh they bear too much similarity for me not to make the comparison i think it's a very fair comparison to make so it's a very good match very entertaining i'm very very happy to see senior benjamin again as i always am but it just it felt like it was a shadow of what it could have been compared to the final deletion which is too bad because sammy guevara sold his fucking heart out to sell the things that were happening in there and god damn i don't want to know the bruises that man had the next day
5: I'm pretty sure he still has them, and they still hurt. I I enjoyed this entire thing. I Look at that, Drew. We agreed on something. This was a lot of fun to watch. I think they played it safe after the last time they interacted. It's that it has that Tegan Knox afraid to injure herself energy, and I can respect that. You go into a match like this, and after your previous big encounter, Matt Hardy had a very scary, very real injury that had everybody wondering whether or not he was actually dead. I get the play it safe energy. I would have done the same thing. I enjoyed this match. I, I love Matt Hardy. Everything that he's doing. Uh, my personal favorite little spot in this match was uh the Hurricane and Gangrel. Showing up, that was that was a lot of fun for me. Uh, you know, throwback to the the brood. Um, but I I loved it. Uh, Sammy Guevara being dumped in a trash can, that was <laughs> that was a little much. But you know, you know, it's kind of funny.
4: You talk about Matt Hardy in a match, and Gangrel shows up with Hurricane Helms. they are watching Halloween Havoc, and Michael Hayes shows up. And it's like we're time-traveling back to the late 90s with Michael Hayes and the Hardys versus the Brood. We just need Edge and Kristen to show up somewhere in this and then we're 13 again.
5: And then the Dudleys come in with a table. And the
2: Dudleys for no reason. (laughs) For the right reasons, Marlon. For the right reasons.
0: I personally want to have Private Party on call to help me if I'm ever in a scrap. You just... Um, (laughs) To have- wrestle mediocrily in case I'm in trouble. So.
3: <laughs> also, I love the fact that just you just tear Matt sit yelling, "This ain't water, this ain't water," and then it cuts to private party getting the message. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: They're really good at their pre-done matches.
2: Well, and I think that's really we've we've touched on this a couple of times, but I I just want to throw this out there. I think this really does show how well you can do a pre-recorded match. You know, mm. if you look at something like this. I look at Britt Baker's whole thing in her dentist office. That was bluntly not that great. This shows the quality you can have, but I think they need to find new ways to be creative. And I think that's just one of the strengths that, uh, you know, Matt Hardy has is that he can be creative in this kind of way where he maybe thinks of of the matches a bit more cinematically than the other wrestlers do.
5: I also think him being at home, like on his property, um, him and Jeff and their dad, they all live like within the same like mile of each other. They're all really close and their properties are all connected. So him being at home in his element where he's comfortable, where everything is familiar, he got to play to his strengths. And it, it showed. It absolutely showed.
2: You imagine that we were all laughing on the voice chat it was before you guys joined us. We were all kind of laughing. He was like, you think they're just going to show his brother's, like, you know, wacky-ass lawn again?
5: <laughs> oh, man. That's actually not even the original wacky-ass lawn. lawn. Circa, like, oh, God. The mid-2000s, Jeff Hardy's entire property went up in flames. And, like, everything was destroyed. And it was beautiful. So everything that's there, that's all new. For, like, relatively speaking.
4: How easy it is, is it to get, like, freaking Swamp land? It kind of reminds me of the same Swamp that WWE owns for the Bray Wyatt match with freaking Braun Strowman, which happens to be the same place that they put Cameron Grimes and Dexter Loomis. It all feels like there's this one Swamp setting, like in Justice 2, that all the wrestlers go to fight in.
5: That's just what the South looks like. <laughs>
3: that, that's, saying, that is I'm just, that, that Swamp is just, that's what half of Florida is.
0: It's like those sets of rocks in LA that you that they use in like Bill and Ted uh, Ted's Excellent Adventure which was also in yeah. Star Trek
3: and <laughs> <laughs> like what are the odds? Huh? It's always in the same location. <laughs> it's like how it's, how, it's how like a lot of shows are filmed in like Vancouver, Canada but te- they'll tell you like hey, this is the Midwest. Like, it's it's not, it's Canada, but yeah, you can't that.
0: tell the difference. Yeah, it's like the the Dark Knight has the the most Vancouver looking Chicago that exists.
5: <laughs> and then, like the parts, like the football stadium, is actually in Pittsburgh, and it's very clearly Pittsburgh.
4: And then their aerial shots are always Manhattan. <laughs> like you could just watch the cities put together in the movie. It's crazy.
0: So, is there any thoughts on the on the final deletion? It was it was very good, but I don't.
3: I enjoyed it, but. And this is be- it's my issue with a lot of with, with what my issues become with a lot of these Matt Hardy things is with each new one, they're just repeat like you're starting to get spot for spot repeats of things that like this worked in the first final deletion, so let's let's do it again. Let's let let's keep doing these same things that we keep doing because we know people like it, but yeah, I feel like I feel like you could you could put parts from all like the elite deletion, delete and decay, and everything that that Hart, Matt Hardy was doing in Impact, if you cut, you could cut those matches up and stitch and stitch them together, and they are very close. Look, they would look very close to what we saw with Sammy. I yeah, think I it's could a see that. So it's just it's it get it's starting to get to the point where like, all right, we we keep seeing these. It's not something new anymore. So
4: more of an issue of pre-recorded wrestling that's there's only so much you could do with that now there' not like there's that much dialogue going on or anything it's people who walk into a room and then they wail on each other it does operate like a mortal kombat cutscene in between fights like we're in this location i guess we must fight now that's that's it on repeat some of them are funny some of them are serious but some of them are in different locations but it's the same thing
0: yeah and granted you had some good nostalgia spots like Making use of the Lake of Reincarnation to turn Hurricane Helms back into Roving Reporter Shane Helms was pretty funny.
3: Yeah, like I, I enjoyed like the I, I enjoy seeing what they do with the Lake of Reincarnation because that is something different every time because it's a different person being thrown into it. But I've seen them do enough fireworks spots in these type of matches that it's no longer a surprise to me that Matt Hardy Witten got fireworks. Like like it's not a excuse to set
4: up fireworks. We
3: we
0: need to save five Roman candles from Fourth of July. I'm I'm planning a match here. Yeah.
2: He does get slightly more risky with it every time because like last, you know, the last in the final deletion, they had the boat and like now they're actually like letting it hit people.
0: It's a slow escalation, but like snail's pace. Eventually, it's just Kota Ibushi, and that's when we know that we're going to get the maximum Roman candle spot.
5: <laughs> Enjoy the fire it fire actually fire just fire. becomes
3: like, uh, alright guys, the next the next deletion match starts, and we just get a logo. Just like, this match was co-produced with Kaiju Big Battle.
4: <laughs> the next one will just be footage of last year's 4th of July, but Matt Hardy making sound effects <laughs> over it, like he's getting hit. <laughs>
5: I think the fireworks spot was my favorite spot in the entire match.
4: You know what? Yeah, I, I was transfixed. There was a monster truck there, and it was still the fireworks for me. I,
3: I will say, this match was the first time I have ever seen, to, to my knowledge, someone get into or out of a monster truck. Yeah, I know.
2: That actually now we know how. mind that they don't yeah. have anything. They just, like, crawl up through the side. yeah.
3: yeah like that is that is interesting to see, but kind of also ruins the mystique for me of how people get in and out of monster trucks.
4: <laughs> I thought there was a giant door, if a giant handle,
0: yeah. or
3: mm-hmm.
4: are two hands to open it.
0: so we have two more, two more to go. We have m j f against Chris Jericho. Uh...
6: so I
0: will well Susie, with that with that noise, <laughs> is Chris Jericho over the hill?
5: Yes! <laughs> Absolutely yes!
2: Was that oh a question going into this?
5: Oh my god. I am so sick of Chris Jericho. Just fucking go home and be a dumb Trump supporter and get the fuck off my television. I'm sick of him. I'm sick of Jake Hager. I I. I sick of the rejects. I'm so tired. Of Chris Jericho just being himself on TV. I fucking hate it. And what was the point of this match? So MJF beats Jericho and now he's in the inner circle. Okay. Why? Because
0: MJF is eventually going to depose Chris Jericho and take control of the inner circle.
5: Oh, I hope you're right.
4: that felt like not the way to do it, though. That was a really...
0: (laughs) It felt like an emotionally
4: confusing ending. I won, woo! I'm you're my boss now.
6: Like,
0: it's
5: like, that's how that it's, works, like I guess. it's like losing the work lottery. It's like it's like the opposite of undercover boss.
0: <laughs> yeah, was... but the way it feels to me is instead of Chris Jericho like in the Megatron role, and MJF just fought to be in the Starscream role. Yeah. Starscream is actually the one who runs the Decepticons and Megatron just beat him to be in the Decepticons. <laughs>
2: well, and Tony, I think that's a very important thing here because this, I feel like, was a very big deviation from MJF's character in that. MJF has always been about how great I am in dominating. Why would MJF, with the mentality he has shown in the past, accept terms that say, I have to prove I'm better than you to work under you?
5: Exactly. I don't, I don't like that. It was so... I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I I literally yeah. don't believe it. Like it's the Hikaru Shida match was bullshit. The Bucks match was boring. I'll, Ace said it was the longest match by eleven minutes. That means it went on twelve minutes too long. And this match, the, the fucking MJF match, it was just a waste of my time. Nothing fucking changed not a damn thing okay so mjf's in the inner circle now okay so he's chris jericho's bitch
4: yeah the match is actually ruined by the ending for me i enjoyed the match until the ending Mm -hmm. and went, wait Wait, what what's happening that huh it feels like jericho is justin hammer and mjf is whiplash in this case why are you underneath him yeah at any point he's gonna take over and everyone's gonna become droids taking over queens new york
2: See, I th- I was expecting, and I think it would have been a much more solid story if at the end of the MJF won, and his response to winning was to basically have Wardlow show up, restrain Jericho, pull out a chair and break a leg, or do something that uh, quote unquote ostensibly you know retires Jericho and says you're the past, you're an old man, you do not know what you're doing. I will be taking over the inner circle but i but think that's something that been. is something have you can build
3: animal. to now that like i don't
2: think he needed to join the inner circle for it to get there though because yeah. it's the whole thing of him having to beat someone to work underneath him it doesn't fit with mjf's character to me
3: i mean what same i the, agree the story they're also telling though was the, so the reason chris jericho wanted mjf to face him here and beat him was so that mj to prove so that mjf can prove that he has this ne- the necessary aggression Here's the storyline is what is going to is going is being used as a way to show that that MJF can be can become more aggressive. But why Do that with
2: dynamite? <laughs> why what in MJF's character history though suggests that he feels the need to prove himself in that way?
0: Um his Well, his big thing is I'm better than you and you know it. And if someone says that they are better than him, the yeah. only way he can do that is by having a match against them, and, and I agree is, with that Tony,
2: But uh, it's the whole the, agreeing to work underneath so, him after the fact.
3: So, Sorry the, well, the, again, the reason he the, he also stated in an interview, the reason in the pro in one of the promos, the reason he wants to join the inner in circle is because if he he felt that if he had had more than just Wardlow in his, on his side, he would have beaten Moxley at All Out and would be a, and would be AEW champion. So by by joining the inner circle and getting the inner circle on his side, he now has that more peop- he had now has more people.
5: So he plans yeah. to cheat his way into a title. Fantastic. Well, you yeah, he, yeah that, he's a
3: him. he is a heel. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> he mean, a, that was gonna is, happen no matter what. Like, oh that, is... that
5: wasn't my point. <laughs> you could've, he could have done without being Chris Jericho's bitch.
3: We, exactly I mean, I until, again, until we see and we see what happens on Dynamite and what now the interaction of what what is MJ how do MJF and Jericho interact now that they are both in the, now that MJF in the inner circle and see how that goes from there yeah it's just because you, you can make all of you can make all of the assumptions that yes this is exactly what's going to happen but we won't know what's going to happen until we see this until them tell the story yeah and and I know but- we like we we like to pull like okay we we can we can judge what WWE is going to do based on what they have done before. We don't have that we don't have that sort of luxury with AEW. AEW yeah. has not told us enough stories for us to say we know what they're going to do based on what they've done before. I'm willing it to does give AEW the question. A, uh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. That, that, for me, it does beg the question.
4: Where do you think they'll go? If you think they're they can be unpredictable they're not wwe you're right they don't have to fall into the same holes so what is what's a positive spin you could make on this where can you see this going the
3: the thing i th- the, the thing i would like to see the most from this mm-hmm. is this is a way for them to separate Wardlow from mjf and turn Wardlow face yeah and you don't you don't have a big powerful body face yet on your roster
0: and they also allow MJF to move into more of the main event level rather than the upper mid card level that he's currently in. Because at this point, he's beaten Chris Jericho. He has beaten the he has beaten the boss, and he has the ability to take over at least in the eyes of the audience. It is it is long term storytelling to just show us the journey on how MJF like. Manipulates and manages his way, manages his way to the top of the inner circle, and I do applaud AEW for giving the rub to, not necessarily an in-home talent because MJF has been doing incredibly well on the indies before he went into AEW, but giving it to someone who's not, you know, your Cody, your Cody Rhodes, your Young Bucks, your Hangman Page, or your Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is actually giving the rub to a younger talent here like he did with Orange Cassidy, so I, I like that. I also like, in a match which is based on, hey, MJF, you need to show the proper aggression if you want to be in the inner circle, the main thing that allows MJF to win is by being smart and doing the Eddie Guerrero spot of faking like he's been hit with Chris Jericho on the bat. So I, 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 I the
4: issue of that is why did it have to happen at a pay-per-view then? I feel like a match like this for a result like this should have been the match on Dynamite. And then while he's in the inner circle and you're telling that story, you have the falling out and you save that for the pay-per-view. I want to see the because, falling out between Jericho. and it, cause Because this, this is a setup. This is a setup match in the middle of their full gear. Well, not even the middle, near the end. Near the end of their full gear pay-per-view, it's a setup match.
0: Because at the end of the day, Chris Jericho does still sell pay-per-view numbers in some respects. And to have him on the card only helps you. Lance Archer is not on this card. Um, there are other, like, main event level AEW talent that did not make it onto this card. And Chris Jericho did. So it shows that, you know, they he still has value to them. If,
3: and I think and they're correct. So maybe to and ask the question... And, Oh, go ahead, Ace. And both Jericho and MJF in storyline believe that they are big enough stars that a match between the two of them is worth being a is worth being on pay per view. So My- I'd like to ask
2: mm-hmm. a question then. So it, we we've discussed a lot about the temperament and mentalities of this, but I actually have a, a long term story uh, telling question for actually for Ace and uh, Ace and Tony, and that is. Jericho sets himself up as to be a pseudo-final boss. Maybe not the final boss, but he sets himself up to be very, very good. But for a long time now, the storytelling for MJF has been he's not as good as he pretends he is or that he thinks he is. Does that introduce a new story angle or potentially a plot hole now that he's beaten Jericho that says if he's not as good as he thinks he is, but he can beat Jericho, doesn't that mean Jericho is not as good
3: as he thinks he is? He didn't, he didn't beat Jericho. He didn't pin Jericho. He did not make Jericho submit. He outsmarted Jericho. So yep. you still can have this okay. of J. Jericho can still say, well, you still actually while while you did you did win the match against me, you didn't beat me. So
2: But doesn't that still mean that MGF has to be smarter than the story's given him credit for so far?
3: I think I I think it's it was because to me it was also kind of a callback to the end of his match with Moxley. Because the end of his match mm-hmm. with Moxley. Wardlow, Wardlow distracted the ref, uh, and and fa- they, he failed to cheat and use the ring, and then Moxley gave him the double fingers and and cheated, and hit the, mm. and hit the paradigm shift. So how this match ended was Wardlow threw the ring in, distracted the ref, Mo- uh, MJF gave the double birds to Jericho, and then won the match. So it's showing that. Uh, while yes, MJF's not as not to the level he thinks he is. He's still learning and still able to get better.
2: I like that take on it myself. So,
3: so it, in this way, with him with him showing that, with him now being near Jericho and watching Jericho very closely, he can pick up on what things Jericho does and take them in on his own. Maybe. My
4: issue, I, 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 that's a thing. I I agree, and they're do, they're going about it the right way. It's just timing it was an underwhelming result for such a great and very hyped up match i was very hyped up that video package was amazing the entrances were amazing i was ready for wrestlemania caliber match yes here we go and then i got it and in the ending oh and now he gets to work for the guy he beat yeah really in full gear this is your big wrestlemania result essentially like thanks i guess no, that could have been a dynamite episode, and then find out what happens next week on Dynamite. That was not a full gear ending. It shouldn't have been a full gear ending.
0: It wasn't necessarily like find out what happens next on Dynamite as much as it's hey, where is the story going to go from here? This is this is AEW sto- uh, seems to be telling stories in acts here, and I think that uh, if you if we just give it time, then we'll see kind of the structure play out. We know where the final. I think everyone knows where the final point is, and that is that MJF takes control of the Inner Circle, and Chris Jericho goes and tours with Fozzie or something. Mm-hmm. So, I think, oh, go ahead. I think
4: that. Sorry, I think the issue is that maybe they take they take so long with their storylines that the surprises end up disappearing. Fans were we were at least able to guess where they're going pretty quickly. It happened if Hangman Page and. And Kenny Omega and it's happening again here. We can see yeah. the end coming. So why aren't you just doing that already and because, trying to stay ahead of us?
3: Because predictable doesn't always mean bad. Just cause you can just cause we can see where the story's going does not mean that they should that doesn't mean they should pull swerves on us because that that's where that's that's where you get two thousand that's when you get two thousands WCW.
0: Yeah. And you guys can talk about power struggle next week to see where uh where you kind of mess with your predictability yeah. and things like that but moving on to our main event with John Moxley against Eddie Kingston and sadly I don't think there's a lot to talk about with this match the build was really really good um the promo package is probably the best that I've seen AEW put on um uh, and I think that in the end the match is an example of the hey the challenger cannot get to the level that the um that the champion is at, much like the Nakamura Ibushi match, but it's on a kind of different different scale here, and this is the probably the worst example of that type of match. But what did everyone else think?
3: I think th- this was a good Eddie Kingston match. But good Eddie Kingston matches are not great matches.
4: That's that's the best like, way to put it. This was a very good Eddie Kingston match and a poor John Moxley match.
3: I I, I was I was telling I was saying to someone before the before we were recording, this the promos leading up to this were great. And then to borrow the phrase from Bruce Pritchard, then that bell had to ring. <laughs> and nothing Short of, short of Moxley and, and Kingston becoming the two greatest pro wrestlers in in the history of the world, then you were not going to get that. Then you were not going to get a match that lived up to those promos. I
5: can
3: that's agree with exactly, that.
5: That's exactly what happened, yeah. It's, you had this great promo package, and then you had this kind of, eh, Match, it
6: was just I, eh, at best. I don't know. I,
2: I want to give it credit though because the intensity that Kingston brought to this, I mean, it kept me excited right up to the minute the match started. <laughs> yeah, the match failed to live up to it, but there's something to be said. It's like people that go to the movies to see the advertisements, right? There's something to be said for a powerful draw into the match, even if it doesn't lead up to the hype.
3: Yeah, I once, think they, once they have. Cause, the, the the build up to a match is all, in wrestling is almost more, at least in the older days, was almost more important than the match itself. Because once you have the mat, once once you have the, once you use the promos, and once everyone has bought their tickets in the building, you already have their money.
4: It's also evidence that storytelling can only take you so far. It's great for getting asses in the seats, but the moment the match starts, well, where is the skill? And we have a lot of wrestlers who are amazing superstars and put on great matches. And then their storytelling is just crap. The really good superstars, really good wrestlers, they have a way of marrying both. Here, we had a great lead-up, a great story. I'm still hyped behind these two. And then watching them take their anger out on each other, it's kind of lackluster. And I kind of want to go on my phone a bit.
3: I, I also don't think this match being an I Quit match was not helped by the fact that when WWE had their I Quit match between Jey Uso and Roman... Just a few weeks ago, I think that was a better I Quit match than this was. My mm-hmm. favorite I Quit match. I, I, I,
4: I uh, he essentially put a gun and, to his brother's head. Yeah, it's a better I Quit match. Yeah,
3: which I mean, while while the promo work and everything, while it was still really good for the for the Roman Uso match, it was not as good. Like neither neither of those men are Eddie Kingston, and neither of those men can talk like Eddie Kingston.
5: That's true too. Mm-hmm. And my my biggest issue. With this match, and it's an issue with AEW in general. And I know had I know Drew has some thoughts on this. So when I say my piece, I'll pass it to you, Drew. Why, in God's name, is John Moxley always fucking bleeding? <laughs> why? Just, just why? I just
3: because Cody I, didn't because Cody didn't tonight. And if Cody's not gonna bleed, Mox is gonna bleed.
5: I hate it. someone I, has to to
3: appease the blood god, Susie.
5: Uh, well, I'm tired of watching John Moxley bleed literally for no reason. He was bleeding in this match, and he didn't even get hit with anything. It's just bloody for the sake of bloody.
3: He just with blood. That's he had barbed crazy. wire scraped on his head. He he was what? bleeding before the barbed wire got involved. That's... Yeah.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take
6: it sympathy
4: away,
2: Sympathy pain. So I'm going to... Just throw this out there and as we kind of all discussed last night because i was probably more upset about all this than anyone else and so i will go in saying ahead of time that that's heavily informed by what i've seen happen in actual fight sports and the way i've seen it treated irresponsibly so i can't say this is what's happening blah, blah 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 i've given my you know disclaimer what the absolute fuck are we doing to people even if they want to, to let them do this shit where they're constantly hurting themselves. And the blading is one thing. AEW's been bad for blading. And I mean, say what you will, it's one of the few things I can actually point to that I can say McMahon has been smart about when he started to ban blading, or at least make it a lot harder for people to do. This is bad enough. But then they did the thumb spot and of course they left the actual bits in this time because apparently people must have been calling them out on the Darby Allen one not having it. So I'm sure someone's ego was hurt and they made it real this time. But why? I'm sorry. It just it it blows my mind that people say we don't want blood combat on TV, but we're willing to actually have people take the real injuries from things like that to pretend we have it. It makes no sense it's reckless, it seems dangerous, and what are we really adding here besides showing that hey, these guys are willing to take pain? It's like wrestling just mixed with jackass.
0: Andy, I will give is. I will give you your your point there. Um, I really don't have a um a general like rebuttal to it aside from just that it is Within the culture of wrestling, especially with two veterans of like combat zone wrestling, like Moxley and Kingston are, um, and but in the end, it's hardcore wrestling is generally done, and Deathmatch wrestling is something that's generally done because you are limited yourself as a wrestler. Um It is not something I imagine people like to admit. I don't like to admit it as someone who is a big McFoley fan. But I think that it's something that is sadly not going to go away. Especially as long as something like at your CZW um, gathering of the Juggalos type h- hardcore matches those things exist. And this wasn't even the worst thumbtack spot in AEW because one of the very first matches Moxley had was against Joey Janela, who took a thumbtack spot onto his feet.
2: Yes, but and I'm not trying to say that you're going to get it away from it in all the other areas. But for the mainstream areas, I don't feel like we should be pushing to promote it. You're asking your people to take physical risks and damage for gain that's only there because they say it should be there. Right? No one's going in and saying, man, I really wish that people bled more. No one's going in and saying, man, I haven't seen anyone take a thumbtack in a while. I really miss that. The only expectation you're setting is telling people that this is the kind of thing you want to do and they're getting behind it with you. This isn't something your fans are requesting. This isn't something that they're demanding. And this isn't a value add to your wrestlers. It's needlessly risky, it's needlessly bloody. Why are we doing it? And to your point about it limiting people, I would honestly sit there and say that both Kingston and Moxley are better wrestlers than that. They don't need this.
3: I, I will, I will counter your point of, there are not, of you saying that there are not people asking for it. There's a, while well, it may be a small, but there, they are a vocal port portion of the internet wrestling community. There are a
0: vocal bunch of people in Pennsylvania
3: that yeah. want that, one of the biggest things they want to return from the Attitude Era is they want to see bleeding. They want to see people getting hit in the head with chairs. They want to see that type of violence return, because in the, because in the late nineties that was made normal. It's just whether that... is that a good whether it is whether it is good or bad is not a, is not the is not the point of this right now. It is the fact that that is what has become the normal.
0: Yeah, and Andy, there there's been a uh, phrase used in wrestling for at least the territory days, which is color is money. So- oh, I,
2: I'm fully aware of the old phrase in the old ways. I'm simply making the argument that wrestling should be above that in this day and age. We have made enough progress while there may be some minor group for that, even if they are vocal. The average product can survive without it and we can make good wrestling without it. I would ask people like Tony Khan to
3: justify what
2: value they're adding for the risk and damages they're adding to the wrestlers
3: so in this match we have it is established in the promos that Eddie Kingston is willing to do whatever he needs to make John Moxley quit he has come to he has hit a point where he where he almost hates like where Moxley was his friend now he hates Moxley from the very core of his being Mm -hmm. so he is going to reach into so he is willing to do whatever he needs to do to do to to make to win that title,
6: mm-hmm.
3: and you... so in this how with how wrestling has been with how wrestling has been done and the stories that wrestling has told before, the way you one of the ways you make that you make this see you make it seem like you need that this how much this means to you is by using is by using these violent weapons and using blood,
2: but there are other ways they could do that that make more sense thematically, which are also safer. A fake pair of brass knuckles makes I mean, a much more convincing weapon than thumbtacks. Why thumbtacks?
3: I mean, I'll also argue too, though that wrestling by itself is not something that is safe. Like there are risk. There are just getting into a wrestling ring is a risk in itself. Yes, but these these wrestler, but the but it's a risk that these wrestlers have shown that they're willing to take.
0: Yeah, I would say let's just agree to disagree yeah. on this one. I don't think this is quite the same like safety discussion as when Matt Hardy took the fall, because that's mm-hmm. a that's an issue on AEW's part uh, for not having independent doctors on hand, clearing people too early, generally listening to the wrestlers when they say they're fine, and just leaving it at that. Now... Um, I listen to. I am the one who listens to AEW's conference calls, and they ha- do have independent doctors on hand. They are trying to make things as safe as possible, while still allowing themselves those the shock spots that have been used and get glamorized even in the mainstream by companies like WWE, who will still show Mick Foley falling through a cage. Because it was not proper yeah, properly done to actually take a choke slam and almost die when he hits the yeah, when he hits the ring, and what they also don't show you in that Hell in a Cell match back in 1998, when he obviously is going to have a concussion, is Mick Foley is running right back out there for the Steve Austin match later in the night. So mm-hmm. I. Th- I think it's just something that's in wrestling culture. I don't think you can bleed it out of the mainstream because both and all mainstream companies have a little bit in that because people have generally wanted the shock value. You can say, where do you draw the line? And I think that is certainly necessary to know, but it's one of those you-know-it-when-you-see-it type things. And maybe your line is different from mine, but. I think we can objectively like point at different things that the mainstream shows and kind of come to a conclusion onto was this too far or um, was this kind of on the line? And I wouldn't even say that this made it to the line.
2: No, and to, get, to be clear here, I'm all for people taking risks. And I understand that that's the sport to Ace's point. What gets me about this is that I don't personally see the value add. It feels like glorified blood for the sake of glorified blood. It's blood for the blood God. It's not a legitimate injury. It's not taking a risk and it's not working well. This is just actively taking an injury, even if it's a minor one, just for the sake of taking an injury. And I guess ethically, I'm not okay with that. Mm. Even if it's not a big injury.
0: So, Susie or Marlon, any final thoughts quick, or should we move to best things in wrestling?
5: My my issue with the blood is that it's always John Moxley. It's always for what seems to be no reason. And to echo Drew's point, it's blood for the sake of blood. Like, if it happens, like, in a spot, like, on accident, and the person is okay... Like, oh, hey, I just, like, it's a scratch, and it looks way bloodier than it is. Or, like, I really did bust my face, but because it's my face, like, I bleed a lot up there. Most people do. It's just the thing that happens. But I'm really okay. You know? It, is it something like that? Or is it John Moxley stabbing himself in the forehead before weapons are even introduced in a match? And then when you bring out the barbed wire and the thumbtacks, it's just, okay... You're already bleeding. Now you have to add more blood on top of the already bleeding that you did for no reason for what? Fucking dramatic effect? What are you five? Come on. It's it's 2020. We're all adults here. We all know that wrestling is fake. Just stop fucking stabbing yourself in the forehead. Has anybody seen Devon Dudley's forehead? Is that what John Moxley wants to look like when he's 50? If the answer to that question is a hard no, he needs to stop stabbing himself in the forehead.
0: Well, well, the trick is to do a horizontal cut, so you're cutting with the grain as opposed to doing a vertical cut, which people were doing back then. But, but that's aside but, from the points. <laughs> <laughs> the,
6: the
2: one last <laughs> I, thing I'll yeah. mention there, the one last thing I will mention there is actually something from, Tony, you, you probably remember this from Baba France, which is where he was telling us about people when they did this, they did it so frequently and then in the same spot they could bait and the scar tissue would eventually become so weak they could eventually just like rub their head in a spot and they would start bleeding. Not and they an actually issue. sold this as a feature.
4: My chief of this match is that it was so violently, shockingly boring. It's mundane. I, I grew up with ECW, so this, I am desensitized to it. I'm not horrified by this violence anymore. It is mundane. It is pointless. It is boring. There's no reason to do it anymore. And it was put there. To cover up lackluster performances. That's all it really is. If you have to throw in weapons, you you don't have to be that creative. All you have to do is bang the other guy for thing, and oh look, now I'm gonna bang him with another thing, and I'm gonna bang him with this thing while doing a move. And it's not that good or creative, and it doesn't worth. It's not worthy of being in the main event.
0: Well, it's not so... the, at at the end of the day, Eddie Kingston is pretty punch kicky as is Moxley only to a lesser extent. You need to realize that the main reason why John Moxley got to where he is is because of all of the other hardcore wrestlers in that area of the East Coast. He was the one who could wrestle without a shirt on.
6: (laughs) That's
4: true, but that also means the match should be opening the show, not ending it.
3: uh, Moxley is where he is because of a very of a very he because he was head and shoulders Above a very, t- above a very small group, he was the he was the best of a group of very bad wrestlers.
4: Yeah, that's it. That's it. And now they're main and, eventing AEW and AEW. Well,
3: because then he because then he got signed by WWE, and that that made him a better wrestler because he wrestled instead of st- instead of stapling instead of stapling a paper mask to somebody's face.
4: Which brings me to—I think that's what my point is. I don't like John Moxley. I love Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose is freaking great. I love his finishers. I love Dirty Deeds. I love seeing him as a wrestler. John Moxley, the hardcore superstar—I could take him or leave him. I don't give a shit about John Moxley, the hardcore superstar. I do not want to see him in a hardcore match. I quit or whatever the shit. I, I see him beat a lunatic fringe.
3: I—I I don't like AEW, John Moxley. I love New Japan, John Moxley. I would the have John to have Moxley that could, there, there is a match from new beginning. I think it was new beginning in Osaka from 2020. John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki, where it's just these two. It's just exactly what you think it is of John Moxley and, and Suzuki beating each other, beating the crap out of each other. Just two big old slabs of meat slapping. I mean, meat. Yeah. Well, <laughs> last, last year at Wrestle Kingdom moxley faced lance archer in a texas death match at, at wrestle king on uh, night two of wrestle kingdom no night one of wrestle kingdom so and, marlon
0: uh, with uh, that yeah. are you excited to see omega against moxley
4: uh, absolutely if they, could again. keep it, <laughs> if they could keep it to just being a wrestling match i am absolutely excited if it's more just weaponry bullshit I'm not. There's not much skill that goes into that, and I know John Moxie is capable of better matches. This was lazy, and that's the real reason, reason it was disappointing. You guys are going off about the violence. I saw the shit in 1999 when U. Jack was doing it, when Sabu was doing it. I do not give a shit about the violence anymore. Any moron could do the violence. It takes a special kind of wrestler to bring skill to that shit. I just, I didn't see it here.
0: So, yeah, and, and Omega and Moxley already got the weapons match out of their system. That was their non-sanctioned match um, back on, I think. It was full gear of last year. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's
4: get back to some ropes and drop kicks, please.
0: <laughs> so anyway, getting to best things in wrestling, I will go first because I'll probably be stealing something from Ace. But Naito has challenged Kota Ibushi for the first night of Wrestle Kingdom. So. I'm excited for that match.
5: <laughs> well, that's going to be good. That, I am. It'll
0: be
3: a good one.
5: <laughs> that's exciting.
0: For For me, it's the return of Pete Dunne.
4: I, I am so hyped. I've I missed him greatly. I miss a lot of the NXT UK superstars. So Pete Dunne and Tony Storm coming back. It's early Christmas for me.
5: I, and,
0: oh. So what's that? best thing in wrestling? <laughs>
5: my favorite is uh, Darby Allin is the TNT champion. That's... <laughs> I... I am so freaking happy. I hate Brian Cage for ruining his moment, but that was a damn good heel spot. Taz does good heel work. Him with Brian Cage, it's perfect. I, I'm i excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see Cody Rhodes pass the torch, as it were. Mm-hmm. I And I'm excited to see what Cody Rhodes has to offer. I also love that he's American Nightmare Cody Rhodes and not just Cody. I'm really excited about that. I
4: That whole match felt good.
5: Uh, it, it did. It just felt good. That whole match felt good. That was my match of the pay-per-view and my best thing in wrestling this week. Darby Allin, TNT Champion.
2: So, mine was going to be Darby Allin, but since you took that, I'm actually going to break it into two smaller ones. One, I actually want to say one of the better things in wrestling was the setup with the skateboard and his windshield. Not every one of us watching the pay-per-view last night sat there and said, what the hell is this all about? And they actually brought it back and gave it a resolution that not a single person guessed. That was a good setup shot. That was well done. Good on the people that did the cinematography there. Second is the deletion match. Even if it wasn't as good as the final deletion, I would never get bored of seeing Matt Hardy put those on. Please give me more.
4: (laughs) Oh, hey, I forgot to mention the true repercussions of Pete Dunne coming back. We have an anti-undisputed era. We have the one way they could have found to make the Undisputed Era faces, and that would be to make Pac McAfee the leader of an excellent heel team. Orny Larkin is freaking amazing. I've been championing that guy for years, and now freaking Pete Dunn is in there. They found a way for me to back Pac McAfee. He's supposed to be the heel. (laughs)
0: Pac McAfee! Would the the opposite of an Undisputed Era be a disputed very short amount of time?
6: Perfect for Pat
0: Mac- McAfee.
5: So
0: yeah. <laughs> it's fitting. <laughs> so Ace take, Tony. Ace, take us out. What's your best thing in wrestling this week?
3: My best thing in wrestling this week is that when New Japan announced the participants for the Best of the Super Juniors this year, they also announced that for it, uh, in the, for their American for their American show that they that they tape. They will be doing the Super J Cup, which will be a one night, tur- a one night standard tournament featuring some of the best junior heavyweights in the world, and I am super excited to see Leo Rush versus El Fantasma, mm. to see Ray Horace ah. back in action, to see Chris Bay from Impact Wrestling in this tournament. Oh, that's gonna be sick! I
5: didn't know. That. I did not know about
4: that. I-
3: yeah. Wow. I, i'll i'll bring it up during our power i'll bring it up more during our power struggle show and because that power, i mean he's,
4: my, that's my new favorite cruiserate right there is El phantasmo that dude has if, everything i the, said he should do he's doing
3: the the only thing i don't like about El phantasmo is that there's seemingly no picture that exists of him where he does not look like he has not slept for five days <laughs> that's fair like, at first, I was like, "Wow, New Japan just can't take isn't is not putting good pictures of him on their website." And then I went looking at more pictures of him, and I was like, "Oh no, he just That's doesn't take good pictures." <laughs> <That> of
0: <poor gentleman. laughs> Yep. So with that, hey, with that being said, I am going to be taking a break for two weeks. I am saying it amongst other people now, so it is going to happen, as opposed <laughs> to me just taking a one week break and then coming back for full gear. Um, <laughs> no, take so back. I will- I will be taking two head two weeks on a, on a break here. I'll give the recording computer over to Joey so he can go back to editing. And I guess you guys will be looking at Power Struggle next week. But for now, I guess I will kind of take us out here. So there's no bombshell this week other than I will not be here.
5: Enjoy your vacation. Uh,
0: I will. I will be doing nothing. That's about it.
6: <laughs> I mean, that's the good. best
2: reason to abandon us is for no that's... reason.
0: <laughs> I think so, and definitely on that bombshell, I'm going to t- I'm going to stop the recording. And just like that, I'm back. Um, just to give a quick thing, you can follow us on Facebook at Fantasy Bookers. You can follow us on Instagram at Fantasy Bookers. And you can follow us on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Bookers. You can follow our podcast, Artwork Artist, at Hawk Inc. And otherwise, I want to make sure weak. that you really like this song lost. from Yakuza Like a Dragon. You feel you it English dubbing. And, hide. and just take it away.
7: You'll be down. And you start to wonder if the world would be better off If you died I have those days too But I believe I believe I'm gonna make it through And I won't run away I won't die I'm gonna level up Be the best that I can be And I'm not gonna stop questing until I'm a hero I'm gonna level up best that I can be. I swear that I'll become unsolvable and you'll be right at me. I've got to see this through, I can't look back until the end. Rise from rock bottom to the future I've seen in my dreams. So come on, let's go level up.